Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. My guest today is Jonathan Lobinger, an actuary at Argonaut Insurance Company. John earned his JD MBA thinking he'd go into politics or antitrust law, but before he even practiced law, he took a path towards insurance and the actuarial field. I think John has a really interesting perspective here. For him, leaving the practice of law wasn't wasting all the effort he put into earning his degree, and it wasn't a failure. It was just part of an ongoing learning journey. Mindset and perspective matter so much in how we experience our situation. John, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on the escape pod. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. So uh, this conversation will be a little bit different, but why don't we start where I normally start, which is what took you to law school? So I am one of those unfortunate people who around the age of six or seven, somebody uh, told me that I should go to, I should become a lawyer when I grow up. Mm. And unfortunately I was, I don't know if I was too stubborn, stubborn, or I was too excited about the idea of being a big fancy lawyer or what it was, but that, that one guy in the convenience store when I was seven years old, <laughs> he, just, you. <laughs> he just accidentally set the track for my life. And I never really veered off of that. And that's, you know, obviously that's a little bit flippant, but it's also not too inaccurate. The truth is, is my background, there are, there are more people from my family that have gone to jail than graduated from college. I guess that's, that's not wow. completely accurate. It's the, the generations before mine, um, mm -hmm. my generation where we're a bit more successful than that, but I didn't have a whole lot of insight into, uh, what career opportunities there were in the world. So the fact that somebody, when I was young, <laughs> said I should go off to be a lawyer, Right. Uh, I, I was able to just I was able to just stick with that for quite some time. So did you take any time off between uh, undergrad and law school? No. And uh, I have a few pieces. All of us that have gone to law school have pieces of advice that we give to people that come up to us and are unfortunate enough to say, I want to go to law school. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the pieces I give to everybody is don't go straight from undergrad. Um, and I did go straight from undergrad and frankly, I, I think I, I, I could have used some maturing. I could have used some experience in the workforce before I, you know, decided to, uh, to commit to law school. But, um, so yeah, I went straight, I went straight from UMass to Boston college. Yes, I know it well. <laughs> so, um, so I, I think it's interesting because I felt like in law school, I took three years off and I did sort of feel like I had at least a different experience, at least having had a few jobs. Now I probably should have thought about it more too, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do think that, um, I think it's a really young age to go make a huge professional decision right out of college. I just think that's, that's tough. Oh, absolutely. I saw, 
I saw a stand-up special where the comedian said effectively he had received a, he had received a request for a donation to his undergraduate. And he and the comedian said wanted said he wanted to write back and say, wait a second, didn't I give you guys one hundred and twenty thousand dollars? And then and then he and he spins off and he says, and can we just point out that you know when I signed those loan agreements and when I signed the commitment to pay one hundred twenty thousand dollars, I was seventeen years old. <laughs> right, I was right. barely able to drive a car, and I was signing you know one of the most massive investments of my life, and. Truthfully, I'm in retrospect, I'm glad I went to law school. It was such a it was such an intellectual crucible. It was so much harder for me than undergraduate. And I gained a lot yeah. of I gained a lot of confidence from if nothing else, just like the hazing of going through one L. Um, yeah. I gained I gained a lot of confidence after having done law school. And so I I wouldn't trade that for anything. But the comedian's joke definitely stuck with me. The idea that we <laughs> sign off on these massive mortgages on our brains. Um, yeah. And I, I did so both in undergrad, but also much more so in grad school when I was quite young. So, yeah. So when you were in law school, did you have a focus area? Did I mean, you were young, probably not, but did you, how did your thought process evolve through law school? No question. I absolutely had a focus. My first focus was I wanted to get involved in politics. I was involved in student politics when I was an undergrad. And so, um, but then I made this interesting decision not to pursue politics directly, but try to try to get, try to get paid first. Um, mm-hmm. and so that failed miserably and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I focused on business law during undergrad and then I went and also, uh, got my MBA. I got my JD MBA at BC mm-hmm. and yeah, no, it, <laughs> it definitely wasn't, I definitely wasn't, um, making it rain the way that I thought I was going to when I graduated from that. And, uh, it just, you know, I was just so uninformed at that age, uh, so yeah, so the focus the entire time was business, and the p- big plan was to become. I wanted to become an antitrust attorney, and hmm. it actually makes total sense. I, I I'm um, uh, I studied undergrad uh, uh, philosophy, and so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the more philosophical. Um, I enjoyed the more academic branches of the law, and antitrust is so. Uh, so heavily based on economics, or at least mm-hmm. it was up until about 2017. <laughs> and so it was just so yeah. like underpinned by economics that I just found it absolutely fascinating. And the whole big plan was that I was going to go work in antitrust. And yeah. I got diverted into working at a company, actually an insurance company. And that's what, you know, I I was going to joke with you before the podcast. This podcast is called The Escape Pod. I... Mm-hmm. I'm less of an escape pod and more like failure to launch because I never ended up, (laughs) I I never ended up in the either solo practitioner or working at a firm. I, I immediately went into business and, and didn't practice. So So was that by design? So when you came out of getting your degree, what was, you know, what did you want to do? No, that was very much not by design. And in fact, it was so much not by design that when the general counsel of Liberty Mutual asked me what I wanted to do at Liberty Mutual, I said I didn't want to work at Liberty Mutual. 
Well, that's a hard way to get a job. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. <laughs> and so yeah, I think, wow. Yeah, I think when I told him I didn't want to work for him, I think that made him try even harder to get me a job. But oh my God, he... I feel like that's so Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was playing yeah. hard to get. But no, so, yeah. uh, and they did, they recruited me pretty hard uh, towards the end of my internship. So essentially, instead of getting instead of doing a legal internship, I had done a 2L internship. But then mm-hmm. during the summer, uh, during my MBA year, I went and I actually worked for the company. I worked for Liberty Mutual. And what were you doing there? So I was doing, <laughs> I was doing of all things, I was doing accounting. Mm. Yeah. The, s- the one thing more interesting <laughs> than that? <laughs> that was sarcasm for people that can't see your sarcasm. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah, no, so exactly. I was working exactly. in accounting and insurance, the one thing potentially more boring yeah. than uh, being a practice attorney. So, but it ended up being that it was a, actually a really interesting opportunity. I really liked the people that I worked with. And w- the entire time I was working at Liberty Mutual, the plan was to go and uh apply for actuarial uh sorry not actuarial that wouldn't come until later antitrust positions and Hmm. i ended up getting like i said i ended up getting diverted and working at liberty mutual and eventually i would work as a consultant helping to manage their outside counsel spend Hmm. okay so did you feel like that was a role that you got because of your law background oh no question no question chris mansfield who was general counsel at the time had i think a week before given the largest donation ever to boston college law Mm -hmm. school and so i think he was feeling particularly disposed towards uh, boston college law school at the time and so i think i think without question the fact that i had the legal background and actually specifically the legal background from the law school that I did that, uh, that helped me get the position. No question. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then how did your career progress from there? Like, were you thinking, all right, I'm on this whole new path or were you like, I'll do this for a while, but then I'll recalibrate and get back to where I thought I was going. No, it's funny. And thinking ahead, uh, before this podcast and it's sort of going through the different conversations in my head, it, it jumped out at me that actually my career progression has been more um, deliberate than I think I originally thought. So when I, when I first told the general counsel that I was not going to work for his, his company, um, mm-hmm. I then had a meeting with the CEO uh, who at that point was an actuary. And mm-hmm. Ted Kelly, he, he'd always been an actuary, but the CEO at that point, when I met with the CEO of Liberty Mutual, it's now a new CEO since then. And so he was an actuary and I didn't even, I didn't even know what an actuary was until that summer when I started working at an insurance company, but I met with Ted Kelly mm-hmm. and I really liked him. He spent the entire time talking. He talked more about Shakespeare than he did about business. And I just thought, and he talked about learning and uh, being a being a company that was focused on learning and all of these great idealistic things that really matched up with my ideals. Then mm-hmm. I continued to meet with other people from the company who were also doing interesting things, things like buying other companies, a lot of acquisitions. Um, you know, uh, Liberty Mutual at the time was a rapidly growing company. Uh, and 
all of them were actuaries. So hmm. before I had even gone back and told the general counsel that I was reconsidering and considering moving to the company, I was already thinking five years into the future, thinking, okay, so hmm. I'll join this company. I'll work here in one job, but I'll, I'll, I'll begin preparing for a career as an actuary because the pattern that I'm recognizing here is all these people that are really successful at this company who are actuaries. So I said, I want to do that. Hmm. And was there any hesitation thinking, well, but I just spent three years doing law and I'm now taking myself off that path. What was your, did you feel like any regret switching paths or because you were doing the business too, it's, did it feel more natural? Like it was just one of the options you were considering? I had 0% regret. Yeah. Zero. It, I, that's actually, that's such a great question because I had never thought of it that way before. But I can promise you there was never, I was, I was delighted to escape. Uh, so I guess, there was, <laughs> I guess there was a little bit of an escape pod because yeah. looking back on it, and I knew this at the time, if I had told the general counsel that I wanted some legal job, I wanted yeah. some job working in this legal department, I think, I think he would have uh, at least set me up for some interviews. Um, right. But he was the general counsel. So ultimately, I suspect if he had set me up for them, I would have I would have done fairly yeah, well. You probably could have gone that road. And yeah. I did not want to. I did not want to. I did not want to. Um, I did not want to practice law at, at that company. And I think overall, I think in the back of my head, I think I knew I sort of didn't want to practice law. And yeah. uh, the antitrust thing at that point was looking like it might have been a bit of a stretch. And so I think that there was a part of me that was elated to have, you know, this, uh, this other door that I could open. Right. So you're like, actuary, that's where it's at. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, I talk to a lot of people and they like start a business or they like, you know, move on. And you're like, it's just an interesting story because it's an unusual direction to go. Right. So we went to... We went to BC Law, and we, one of our famous, one of our famous alums is that guy who he has his JD, his MD, his PhD, and a master's. The master's is kind of a throwaway because I think the master's was part of the PhD studying. Yeah. But do you remember? I mean, most masters are. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember that as a holder, as a holder of one? <laughs> do you remember uh, that guy? I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I always thought that was the coolest. Um, yeah. and part of it might just be the obsession with education, having come from a family yeah. that it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. really an obsession. And so I think there's a part of me, my brother jokes that he says that whoever dies with the most letters after their name wins. <laughs> so you were on this new path and you were there for a while. Yeah, no, I, yeah? I, I was, I was working my day job. I did get some other initials. I got some professional certification, CPCO. Um, and so I, I, the whole time I was, I was taking the opportunity not only to learn about business and actually, because I had my JD MBA, but I never worked at a business before. And, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm sure anybody else that is, I can still remember what it was like, the uh, culture shock of going from ac academia because I'd gone to college and then basically gone to college again for grad school. Not basically, I, mm -hmm. you know, four and a half years for grad school. Yeah. And so I had been really 
sort of, I wouldn't say coddled because that's not an accurate description of my 1L year, but I had, <laughs> I, I was in this space of academia. And so the culture shock of going to um, a company, that was like its own learning curve. But then once I understood that, then it was like, I wanted to learn more. So I started learn, learning more about the position I was in. But then I said, let's take it to the next level. Let's start taking actuarial exams. And that's, you know, that's when all hell broke loose. Yeah. I mean, that sounds really hard. And that's from someone who went to law school, right? Like, but that sounds very, per, I don't know, sounds very uh, precise. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, a lot of people get nervous about the math stuff, but I think a better way to put it is so, in order to become a full, a full blown actuary, you need to pass 10 exams, or at least my kind of actuary does. And essentially, each exam, is four or 500 hours of studying. And so I don't recall how many hours I studied for the bar exam, but yeah. you're doing at least, you know, you're doing at least five bar exams, maybe more than oh. that. In addition, the exams are graded on a very aggressive curve. So wow. uh, we're talking like, you know, 33% pass rate. And so that's even more challenging than those people that yeah. took the California bar. So, yeah. yeah it's, and it's another huge, inf I mean, just having come off of already doing this huge commitment of law school and the bar exam, turning around and doing this, taking on this additional, <laughs> yeah. you know, investment in your, in your career path. Did you feel like, all right, I, I really mean it this time because this is a lot to, <laughs> no, a lot to invest in. No, no, 0%. I 0% felt like, I, no, you know what it is? I, so much of my life, and I'm, I've told myself I wouldn't admit to this on your podcast, <laughs> but so much of my life has been determined, I'd say perhaps even overdetermined by self-help books that I've read. Yeah. And so one of the books that I read was that really awful one, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, that's so funny. I just interviewed someone yesterday who referenced that book as well. <laughs> so at one point in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says, don't work for a paycheck, work to learn. And yeah. I don't know if that's wisdom or if I just took that as an excuse to be a little bit uh, self-indulgent, but I basically have made my choices by thinking, what is the stuff that I most want to learn? And sometimes it's just selecting the thing I know the least about and saying, mm -hmm. I'm going to learn everything I can about that. And so, no, there's never been any point in my career where I have felt I need to do X, Y, or Z, or I feel like a failure because the only thing I cared about was uh, the ability to learn something new and finding jobs that I could, I could do that. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's a thing in and of itself, right? When you're trying to, to say, what is it that I want out of a career? What is it that I, you know, prioritize and, and, and passionate about? It, it's okay if it's not a thing. It's mm. okay if it's the process of learning. I mean, you're not sitting on a street, not making money learning. You're, you're also supporting yourself with your learning endeavors, you know? So, you know, I, I don't think it's self-indulgent. I think you just sort of figured out what you like to do and, found a way to do it. Megan, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I feel so much better about this now. Thank you. My life has been totally self-indulgent. Wonderful. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs>
but seriously, right. You know, you know, you look, you look at it and, and as you've said, you said, I don't, you know, it's not to say that it's the last thing that you're going to learn. So you might pivot again, but I would like to hear, uh, you know, you have made some transitions since, since you were in that sort of that exact line. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you've been doing for the last couple of years and what, what made you make some of those decisions? Oh, absolutely. So the, uh, the, what is it? The thumb sketch? Is that how you say it? The thumb sketch, the, the quick summary is I yeah. did my JD MBA at BC, and then I did five years as a consultant at Liberty Mutual, um, large Fortune 100 insurer. And okay. then I did five, five years at the same company as an actuary studying for exams, passing exams, and then actually working with the numbers and the spreadsheets and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost to the day that I got my 10-year anniversary, I quit. I had uh, gone on a game show. I won a teeny bit of money, but I also had some money saved up. And I was just, I really wanted to take time off and I wanted to take a considerable amount of time off. And perhaps unwisely, I also wanted to take time off without having to like decrease my quality of life, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which in retrospect, I probably should, I probably should have dialed a few things back. But so, yeah, so I took, a, I took some time off and now what I do. Had, oh yeah. Had you been planning, sorry, had you been, was that a long time coming or was it sort of a knee jerk thing? So it was. That's a great question. It was a long time coming. I had known at some point that once I became of once I was fully credentialed as an actuary that I would take time off. Mm-hmm. I decided to jump the gun a little bit and did it right before I was um I was fully credentialed because I decided that I would travel the world but also study for my next to last exam, the one that I needed for my my letters after my name. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I decided that I really wanted to study for uh a casualty actuarial society exam while on the beaches of Bali. And so I decided that I didn't want to yeah, do it while worst I worked. places to study. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I quit and I traveled. And a big part of it is that I'm at the age where uh, I've managed to stay a bachelor uh, for 37 years, 38 mm-hmm. years now. And I knew at the time. You're that, a baby. What? <laughs> You're a baby. I am a baby. <laughs> but I also knew at the time I was finishing up my actuarial exams. Uh, you know, I knew my career was going to was going to take off a bit, and I also knew that I was approaching that age where it was about time, you know, to to get serious and grow up and perhaps enter a relationship. And so it was kind of a last fling for me. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and it was delightful. I wrote a movie script. I started a podcast. I went on a game show. I won, you know, some money on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah, it's I just amazing. did. I just did every single thing that I wanted to do, um, and it was really enjoyable. And wow, I mean, that's just so crazy because it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would be scared to just up and drop. You know, I, you have a plan for the other, you know, coming out the other end it wasn't dropping off the planet forever but even so just leaving a job for a significant amount of time um i think would be intimidating for a lot of people so let's see so one part of it was i (laughs) i I think when i started i thought there was an outside shot that i was going to write some amazing 
movie script and I was going to be able to mm-hmm. switch careers. Um, ah. So I think that there was, I was toying with that idea. I think the other part of it was one of the, and there are lots of costs. There are lots of downsides to being an actuary, but one of the great upsides is that mm-hmm. there's less than a 1% um, unemployment rate for actuaries. So yeah. I knew that, I knew that I was, I knew that I was going to have opportunities to get back in the field. Um, and one, yeah. one small anecdote I really want to share, cause I think it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, the actuarial field is so secure because there are so few actuaries and there's such a high demand for the skill mm-hmm. um, that I had a, I had a friend who, unfortunately for him, he went to jail. He was a doctor and he was, uh, he was, he was behaving in a way that he shouldn't behave while, while practicing medicine. And so he went to jail and his roommate was an actuary. And so the first, <laughs> and when he told me this, he came up to me, he's like, he, he saw me and he's like, Hey, you're in, I didn't, I didn't realize you were an actuary. I was in prison with an actuary. <laughs> and I, the first question that came out of my mouth was, did he have a job lined up for when he got out? And he was like, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I felt pretty confident. Yeah. So I felt pretty confident that I could take like, time if off. If this guy out of jail can get a job, I'm pretty sure I can come off my sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Plus, Plus, I had the cover story of the uh, the game show, and I knew that if I could, yeah. if, if because I knew that the obvious question going into any interview was going to be, uh, "Why did you quit your job?" Number one, and number two, I also knew that I was going to get every interview. I was going to nail every interview where I got to talk about going on a game show. <laughs> so, right. So, right. Being able to compare those together, it was a great cover for basically doing what I had always planned on doing. Yeah. So I'm curious, you've, you've referenced sort of your, uh, your movie script and your podcast, which I know is, is sort of about that, that topic as well. So it seems like you have this other underlying, um, interest that you've been pursuing on the side. So how do you fit that in with everything else? I do. And is it something that you would sort of try to nurture to become a full-time thing or is that just right so i should point out that i did get a job eventually i'm now in i was working in boston at liberty mutual and i'm now in new york city working for a great little insurance company um uh, called argo and i'm doing some i'm doing very interesting work for them and very legally related so we certainly want to come back to that yeah but when I talk to my brother about this very topic, he says, he, you know, he tells me, he says, John, you know, if you were more focused, you could climb higher in your career. You could, you could do this, you could do that. But the truth is, is that when I was, ha- when I, when I think about the times in my life when I've been happiest, it's when I'm doing what I want to do. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had more money, less money, whatever. It, those things don't necessarily matter a whole lot to me. Um, Way more interesting to me is, am I talking about the ideas that I'm interested in? Am I reading the books that I want to read? Am I pursuing the things that I'm passionate about at that moment? And so I don't really try to balance anything. I just try to do as much as I can. And that, so that's like a philosophical point, but yeah, you're, it's a, it's a great question. And it's one that I'm scared to admit to myself 
how jealous I am of my friends that I see that are getting their getting their scripts picked up by Netflix. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, because uh, and that's an entire. Netflix is spending $15 billion developing TV shows and movies right now. So a lot of my, and I have friends from many different groups and multiple friends recently have gotten deals from that. Wow. And so wow. is that, is that something I think about more than I'd like to admit to myself? Heck yes. I would love, I would love to uh, have somebody ask me to dust off my doppelganger horror movie script <laughs> yeah. you know uh and and go do that for a while but i'm uh, i i as you pointed out i'm i'm not just i'm i'm not just lying on the street somewhere <laughs> you know learning something right, right. i am trying to make a living but um yeah so yeah but the answer is, is i don't try to balance anything and also yeah i would in a heartbeat <laughs> somebody as much as i love my job yeah. if somebody asked me to take some time off from my career and to explore something creative even if it's just for a couple of years and then go back yeah. into go back into the professional world. Heck yes, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because you know I think there is this assumption that people who go to law school or people I would imagine who become actuaries are one kind of person that they think they're very left brained they're very um, you know practical. And I do think a lot of us actually have a creative side that doesn't always uh we don't always allow it to flourish so i think it's good when you can sort of let that part of you you know get out some <laughs> if that makes any sense oh no question i think uh, just to just to subvert that assumption i think you're right i think a lot of people assume that to subvert that in two different ways one i know that for lawyers hollywood is i mean that's a moment a a very healthy portion of people who write for television shows are lawyers. It doesn't hurt that so many of the successful broadcast television shows are legal procedurals. Um, right, right. But nonetheless, one way or another, yeah, no, Hollywood is just filled with... Somehow the shows don't show me in the room putting sign here tabs on <laughs> contracts, but... <laughs> yeah, it's a very specific type of... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no question. And then the flip yeah. side of it, actuaries, I mean, the number one topic of small talk, which granted, not all, not all actuaries are capable of small talk. <laughs> but uh, the actuaries that are the number one shortcut to talk to an actuary is to discuss movies. Interesting. I, Interesting. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah. So I, you know, I think, you know, when I just think about what people, you know, envision for their future, I think a lot of people cut off certain creative roots in their brain because they just don't think that's who they are or the path that is available to them. So I just think it's always intriguing to hear people who have these you know sort of legal backgrounds who also pursue creative endeavors i mean if you think about our common our common shared experience i don't i don't recall ever during my law school days you know which is such a formative experience any of my professors encouraging imagination <laughs> or creativity yep. so i think that them. that's not totally <laughs> yeah. unfounded but i think it's also yeah. it's also just a fundamental part of many people's personalities regardless of whether they're lawyers or actuaries or whatever and but yeah. i think you're right i think i think as we i think just as anybody grows up and professionals are included i think we do have this sense of okay now it's time that i'm grown up i don't play anymore i don't do that and i think as one of the 
one of the things I think that I've learned that might possibly closely pass itself off as wisdom is that that is hogwash. <laughs> that is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's a yeah. good way to make yourself unhappy pretty quickly is to think that you are no longer entitled to play because you're a, you're a serious professional, but yeah, that's my two yeah, cents. Absolutely. <laughs> so you were mentioning that your career had come a little bit full circle with the work that you're doing now. Mm -hmm. It has a legal aspect. Yeah. So I am hired, uh, to it's both legal and actuarial, um, a product manager, at a specialty insurance company, my specific focus, this is no lie, my specific focus is to manage a predictive model, which predicts when large companies are going to get sued for securities class actions. Ah, interesting. It's fascinating. And so when people talk about big data or artificial intelligence or any of these big buzzwords that a lot of people don't actually know what they mean, um, I'm actually mm -hmm. using some of that to... Uh, to help the insurance company place bets on which companies won't get sued. Our goal is to sell yeah. insurance to the companies that aren't going to get sued, or at least not, you know, get sued in a way right. that we have to pay out. on. Right. Right. Wow. Interesting. So, you know, I think it's cool because you realize that like, you know, even though you think you get off onto a different track, I think being a lawyer does come back into play pretty often in people's careers in one form or another. Right. You know, Oh, it's a question. Without a question, as yeah. I said, fundamentally, I think, I think the most important thing from my legal background is the confidence to be able to uh, undergo really rigorous and really complicated analysis and feel comfortable that no matter what scenario in, you know, I'll be able to do a good job at that. Essentially, yeah. being a lawyer and going through law school, you learn that you're capable of doing hard things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so I want to start wrapping up, but is there, you know. If you were, and you are, talking to people who are sort of lawyers or soon-to-be lawyers who are very much questioning that path, um, what would you, what pieces of advice would you give them? Oh, gosh. Okay. Number one, don't make any rash decisions. I don't think any of the lawyers listen to, listen to this podcast are just going to jump and do something right away and something that they regret. But I, I always try personally to take at least whenever I'm going to make like a major life decision, take several months, talk to a lot of people about it, think about what you're going to do next. Even if you have like a really strong, even if you're burnt out or you have just yeah. a really strong urge to pursue something different from what you're doing or whatever. Yeah. Don't just jump into it. Uh, obviously, you invest a lot of time and money into your career so far. Take time. Yeah. Don't react. So that'd be number one. Number two, sort of cutting against that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, here are my completely conflicting pieces of advice. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, devil's advocate taking, you know, the Socratic method here. No, but on the flip side of it, it's also life is so short. You know, we're, uh, yes. we're so fortunate to be professionals in, you know, uh, uh, nowadays. And, you know, it's so easy. It, we're lucky that we have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to make substantive life choices. We're not, you know, uh, uh, just stuck doing one thing. And it's like, if you don't take that freedom and it's something you really want to do, then like, what are you doing it for? Um, 
Yeah. And, and I've had, I had a lot when I decided that I was going to take my year off and I wanted to explore other things, writing a movie script or traveling the world. I did have like a lot of weird feelings about, is this a smart thing to do? Or do I even have like the right to do this? Cause I'm throwing away like yeah. a really, a really good career. Um, uh, or I thought maybe I might be at the time I had that fear and everybody yeah. I spoke to was like, no, that's ridiculous do what you want to do. You've worked hard for a long time. And for everybody else that's in that same situation, if they're an associate and they're thinking the firm life isn't for them, or they're a partner and they're thinking maybe they want to pursue something else. I mean, you know, you only live once. I YOLO. <laughs> all right, all right yeah. you can edit that out. I, I feel like that's under, that's <laughs> oh, no, that's my message. <laughs> but it is, it, it, you know, I, I don't think there's anything more serious than that. It's like, you, there's no amount of money. There's no amount of money that anybody could pay me to be unhappy if I was unhappy in a, a situation. So, yeah. But I think that that's yeah. probably going to be what everybody says, right? I mean, that's that's you. No, no, that was that, that. I mean, I think that's the thirty thousand foot view um, advice, which is also really important to keep in mind. It's just, yeah, like you don't. There's no reason to be miserable. It, you might have to do some planning. You might have to do some soul searching. But if you're truly miserable, it's it's not a place to stay. <laughs> and you have to give yourself permission to, to get out. Yeah. And I didn't realize just how many skills I had developed and how like how valuable I was to another company until I took time off. And then I was forced to go back and figure out, OK, what was it I did for the last 10 years? And then I actually realized, <laughs> yeah. no, there are a lot of people that are looking for, bizarrely enough, exactly the random walk that I had, I had experienced yeah. in my career so far. And, you know, uh, you'll yeah. never, you never know until you try. I, yeah. I think almost universally people that, people that take a year off in particular, I don't know about the career switching. I haven't talked to enough lawyers who switched careers, but I do know uniformly the people that take time off say it was one of the best decisions they've ever made. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, John, thank you so much for joining me. It was so great to hear your story and catch up a little bit. <laughs> Megan, I can't wait to have you on film, baby film. And I can ask you about some, I, I some movies. I know I'm going to have to really like bone up on my <laughs> movie watching. <laughs> well, I saw that you went to a, uh, you went to a Mexican wrestling match. Uh, and so I know that oh, there I are did. some movies that are about, well, is it Lucha? Is it Lucha Libra? Yeah. Lucha Libra. So we can get together and mm -hmm. discuss some of those movies. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you how uh, authentic they are. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I think we sometimes work so hard to get through law school and into practice that we silence and ignore hints of interest in anything else. John could probably have redirected himself into the in-house counsel office at his first company to get quote-unquote back on track, but he didn't. He allowed himself to follow an interest down an unanticipated path, and it's taken him into a career that really works for him and it allowed him the ability to take a year-long sabbatical. So, not too bad. A uh, reminder that we should listen to those voices and those interests. And I guess for the second time, the lesson we've learned here is that you need to get yourself on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's a career change accelerator.